Well, good morning. Welcome to River Glen. I'm Andy. I'm one of the uh, pastors here on staff, and we're glad you made River Glen part of your weekend. Um, hey, if you're joining us online, also welcome. Last week, we launched our online campus uh, as part of this unfinished journey, and we had 80 people join us from eight different states. How cool is that? That's crazy. I love it. All right, so uh, also more awesome news. Um, last week, we also announced our campus pastor for our new location that's going to be launching next fall. Uh, and if you missed it, you can head to our website. You can watch the service uh, and get caught up. God's doing really, really great things uh, as we're going through Unfinished. And then finally, as you came in, you should have gotten um, one of these booklets. Uh, this, is, uh, this is for you to, to take with you. Um, it, it's a guide that'll explain Unfinished if you're not familiar with it. Um, and then there's section in the back for notes, uh, so you can take sermon notes, whatever, take it with you, and then make sure to bring it uh, each weekend uh, when you come back. So, all right, I wanted to start off with a question, okay? What is the purpose of your life? It's quite a question, isn't it? What is the purpose of your life? For a long time, uh, I, really, I really thought my purpose in life was all about what I did, what I could get done, what I could accomplish, and it drove me through life to basically do just that, chase accomplishments. Uh, when I think back to when I was just a kid, you know, trying to master the skateboard, right? This was my first accomplish was, was uh, being able to do a kickflip before all my friends. And it paid off because I can still do a kickflip. So I got that going for me. Um, anyway, so uh, then as I got older, it was becoming first chair in band, right? Becoming captain of my golf team, um, graduating with honors. And in college, it was becoming president of my fraternity, manager at my job, Graduating with two degrees, uh, get, getting a job, getting my CPA within a year after graduating, get, becoming an auditor, going from auditor to senior auditor, the pay bumps, all these things. This is how I measured progress in my life. That's what I thought I was supposed to do was just go out and do more and achieve. I've always been someone to set a goal and, and chase it down. Now, this is just kind of how I am. This is how a lot of us are. We make our lives about achievements and accomplishments, and it's how we uh, measure ourselves. But the problem is they start to define us, and, and they start to become part of uh, who we are and, and our purpose in life. It shows in our conversations, like think when someone's like, hey, what's new? What's new in life? We, we talk about what we've done, what we're doing, right? Like, oh, I, you know, work's good. Sales are up. Just got a promotion or just took this new position. Just built our house, just finished our basement. You know, our kids are going here, there, got first in this, second in this, 17th in that, but we're not talking about that, right? Like, we just always talk about what we're doing, what we're doing. And, and just so you know, as a, as a parent of two toddlers, when someone says, like, what's new, I don't even know what to say anymore, right? Like, uh, what's new? Well, my, my three-year-old, he uh, stares at us while we're asleep. he... <laughs> It's weird. And then my two-year-old, she just takes off her diaper. Okay, so what's new? I'm surviving, and I didn't get terrified, terrified last night when I was sleeping, right? It's just, I don't know, that's a side thing. But anyway, um, we, view, we view life through this lens of what am I doing? What have I done? That's how we measure ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, goals aren't bad. I love goals. I love setting goals. I think they're important, right? But they're not bad things, right? Goals aren't bad things. Doing things, achievements, accomplishing things, it's not bad. It's just not ultimate. It's just not ultimate in our life. So what if we viewed our life differently? What if we viewed our purpose in life differently where it wasn't about getting things done? I mean, at what point have we achieved enough anyway? Like at what point can you say, all right, done. I've done it all. I've gotten everything I want. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a complete success. I can just nap now, right? We're never going to get there. 
So what if we viewed our life in a way that wasn't so much uh, maybe about us? What if we viewed our lives differently? What if instead of viewing our purpose in life as achieving, accomplishing, what if instead we viewed our life as uh, an opportunity to impact people and help people? Think about this. At the end of your life, would you rather look back and see a list of all the things you were able to do for yourself, or would you rather look back and see a list of names of people who you impacted? What if instead of living our lives for something, we started living our lives for someone? Is life all about what we do, or is it about who we do it for? I believe God created all of us, every single person, with a unique purpose in mind for a specific reason, and I think that purpose has much more to do with who rather than what. We're continuing this series, uh, Stories of Unfinished, looking at stories of different people that come out of this uh, book of Philippians. The book of Philippians can be both encouraging and very challenging as we approach this midpoint uh, of Unfinished. And and Unfinished is this two-year journey that we're on right now. Um, And it's all about this truth that God is not done with me. He's not done with you. He's not done with this church. He's not done with his mission. And today we're going to be looking at an important aspect of the story of Jesus. And if, if we embrace that truth into our life, God will not only use us, but he's going to change us. And that's really what Unfinished is all about. So Philippians, uh, it's, actually, it's actually a letter. Uh, it's not a book, it's a letter. And it was written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is a guy who is all about accomplishing things, ambition, achievements, this is what his life was about. And most of his stuff looked really good. He was, he was a leader. He was very smart. He was, uh, so education, leadership. But he was also a very selfish person, a very self-righteous person. But then what happens is he encounters Jesus. He's transformed. And his life no longer is about him. It's now about Jesus. He becomes a missionary. He, he starts planning churches. And he would occasionally write these churches letters. Um, and this is what Philippians is. It's a letter written to the church in Philippi. And, and this, this group of people, they had strongly supported Paul in his work. And that's part of the, the reason why Paul uh, wrote this letter. So today we're going to cover most of chapter 2 uh, of this book. So if you have your Bible, you can flip there to Philippians 2. And we're just going to read through it and discuss how if we just pull out what Paul is talking about and we apply it to our life, our lives will change and other people's lives will change as well. So, starting in chapter 2, verse 3, here's what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So So, in other words, here's how you ought to live your life. Here's who you should live your life for, not you. Not you. What Paula is really describing here is this thing called humility. Humility. And humility is this quality That comes from uh, having a really healthy view of yourself, a healthy perspective of who you are and who others are, right? So you don't matter more, you don't matter less, but you do matter. You matter, everyone matters because uh, of who created them. We all matter because God created us. So none of us are more special, less special, we just matter because God says you matter, right? So it's an accurate view of yourself in relation to other people and in relation to God. He's God we're not, right? So someone who, who gets this, who has this perspective, they're going to act, they're going to live with humility, right? Now, that sounds great, but the problem is this isn't, this isn't like default for us. This isn't how we naturally act, right? We're prideful, we're selfish, we're all about us. We're all about us. Why is this? Well, this is because we have a sinful nature. 
So our sinful nature is this part of us that just desires to do our own thing. We want to do our own thing. I know better. I got this. I'm going to do it my way. I don't really need God. And we end up, whether we know it or not, we just kind of rebel against our creator. And this is our default mode. It started way back in the beginning, Genesis 3. This is the third chapter of the Bible. And it explains how people basically just decided to go their own way. And Paul, in another one of his letters uh, to the Romans, he describes how this, this rebellion, this I'm going to go my own way, has now spread, and it's now part of all humanity. We're just, we're just this way. And even if you're someone who, you're, you're not sure about the Bible, you're not sure about Jesus, you haven't, you know, really bought into it, all you have to do is look around at the world, at human history, and it, I think it proves we're selfish. We act selfishly. This is our biggest problem. Because of this nature, we're selfish, and as long as we're selfish, we cannot do what Paul is asking us to do, live without selfish ambition, motivating our actions, our behaviors, our lives. So what do we do? Well, here's what, here's what Paul says. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So moving past our selfishness and towards humility starts with Jesus, adopting the same mindset that he had, the same attitude that Jesus had. Here's what it says. Who, Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you and I, we have this problem. And, and it's not just how we act. It, it, it's deeper than that. It's, it's who we are. It's deep down. We have this heart condition, this spiritual heart condition, and, and it desires to tug us away from God to go our own way and do our own thing and serve our own purposes and it causes us to sin, to rebel. And this sin in our life, it just messes everything up, right? Sin, uh, this rebellion against God's authority, what it does is it causes separation between us and God and this is a problem because we were created by God. We were created for God and so when there's separation, it means we're cut off from the very thing we were created for, our source of joy, our source of life. Sin leads to shame, Shame is this view of ourselves that we don't measure up. We're not good enough. We're worthless. We're unloved. We're less than. Separation, shame, sin, all of it causes us to lose sight uh, of who we are in relation to others and God, and it causes us to be very, very selfish. So what's the solution? Jesus is the solution, according to Paul. Jesus is it, right? Jesus is the answer to our biggest problem. God looks at humanity with love, with compassion, with grace, with mercy, and he says, I'm going to send my son to you. So he sends his son, a son he loved more than anything, and he sends him to earth, and Jesus comes into our world. He's a servant. He's obedient. He's faithful. He's perfect. He, he has a life that's untainted by sin, yet he goes to the cross and pays the penalty for sin, our sin, and he dies this horrible death on a Roman cross for you and I so that through faith, we could be forgiven of all of our sin. All of our sin would be forgiven, that separation would be dealt with between us and God, and that shame that we carry around could be healed. Right? He is the solution to our biggest problem. Jesus is God's answer for our biggest problem that we have going on. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we just desperately need. And we don't just 
need it once. Like you don't believe in the gospel and then move on to something better. There is nothing better. This is it. This is the best news there is. We need to believe in the gospel and then we need to keep believing in the gospel because what we do is we start looking for new solutions when we have problems in life or when we fall into old habits and we continue to sin and that shame builds up. So Jesus is the solution we need. He is the good news. It's the good news that we can spend our lives uh, knowing God. The separation's gone. The shame can be healed, right? Everything is answered through Jesus. So whether you're a Christian or not, if you want to live this life that's not just about you, and I think at a certain level, we all want that life where our lives matter to someone else. If you want to live that kind of life, you need Jesus. So let's look at the story of Jesus and how it can change our lives so we can start to live lives for other people. All right? First, Jesus, he makes it possible to live with humility. He makes it possible, this path towards humility, having the same attitude, the same mindset as Jesus, it starts with acknowledging who he is. He's king, he's Lord, he's God. And when we acknowledge who Jesus is, we can become humble in our attitudes towards others, right? Because up until then, what we're doing is we're rejecting God, we're rejecting who he is, and that kind of leaves us wanting to be God. And we don't see ourselves correctly. So we have this tendency because of this sinful nature to try and play God and take control and take the glory, the credit. And once we let go of that desire to go it alone, to do it our own way, to be in control, what happens is we start to see ourselves correctly. He's God, I'm not. I'm just Andy. Doesn't mean I matter less. It means I matter but I'm definitely not God. And so we acknowledge who Jesus is. He's Lord, he's King, he's God. And we start to see ourselves correctly. So if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is like a daily choice we have to make. Who's God in my life, right? It's a daily decision we have to make. We have to be reminded, here's who Jesus is. Here's who I'm not. I'm not God, he is, right? And other people matter. And so when we acknowledge who Jesus is, everything changes in how we view ourselves. Also, when we acknowledge who Jesus is, we're saved of that sin that messes us up, right? Here's what Paul says uh, in Romans 10, starting in 9. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. By acknowledging who Jesus is, and believing it, we're saved. That sin is forgiven. Our biggest problem is dealt with. Sin that causes separation and shame is gone. So that separation is gone. Now we can have a relationship with our creator. This is incredible. This is what we were created for. Meaning now because of Jesus, we can live what we were created for. To know and follow Jesus and God, right? It's gone. Separation's gone. Also though, the shame we experience, it can be healed, right? The shame we experience from sin you know what it does? It causes us to hide. It causes us to run. It causes us to look at ourselves, to look inward and constantly try to make up for all the things we think we're failures at. All the things we think we're failures at. So someone who is full of shame, who's walking around, who thinks I don't matter, I don't measure up, I'm not good enough, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go try to make up for it. And they're going to live a life that's all about themselves because they're so ashamed of who they are. And I think this is why so many of us we act selfishly. It's not because we don't like people or we, we like despise people or we want to hurt people. We're just selfish because we have so much shame going on that we just naturally look inward. We just naturally do things for us because we're focused on trying to make up for those shortcomings. 
When I look back at my life, this is what was going on. I look at all the selfishness, and it was just motivated and driven by this shame, this hole I had going on in my life. And so I went out, and I tried to make up for it. I didn't measure up here, so I tried to measure up over here. And what happened was I ended up just being extremely selfish because I was worried about me. I was always worried about me. You can't live for others. You can't focus on their interests. You can't love people if you're always focused on yourself. And that's what shame causes us to do. But Jesus comes along, good news, and he deals with our sin, which is the root cause of our shame. Right? So we believe we're not good enough. Jesus says, I was good enough for you. Right? You're accepted. You're part of my family now. You, you do measure up because of me. We believe we're broken, we're flawed, we're failures. Jesus says, you're new, you're redeemed. You're different. We believe we don't matter, we're unlovable. Jesus says, you matter, you have worth, you are wanted. I love you. Right? Because of Jesus, we can stop focusing on ourselves. We can get over ourselves because of Jesus, not worry about all the stuff that we, we, fall, we failed at or whatever. We can just accept it, embrace Jesus' love, and start thinking about other people. That's what Jesus allows us to do. His life made it possible for us to live for someone else. His life made it possible to, to get rid of our sin, to get rid of our shame, and our separation with God. That's the good news. So he allows us to move forward. Second, Jesus' life, he models what humility is. Now that we're over ourselves, now we can start thinking differently. Paul says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What does it look like to be humble, right? To live with humility? It doesn't mean we, we go die, necessarily. I don't think that's what it means. Rather, I believe it means we embrace our role. It's all about obedience. Humility is about obedience. Embracing our purpose in life, whatever God has called you to, and just doing it. So we can love others, we can care for others, we can look out for their interests. For Jesus, it meant embracing his role as Savior of the world and going to the cross. That was humility for him. That was obedience for him. It meant not trying to get the glory, not trying to get the credit, not trying to exalt himself. Even though he's God, he didn't exalt himself as God. He just lived a humble life, trusting that God one day was going to exalt him, give him the glory, the credit, the reward. So for us, that's the same model. For us, it means setting aside what we want our life to look like, our selfish ambitions, and just embracing what God says our lives ought to look like. And so we use everything in our life, our gifts, our skills, our talents, our time, our resources, and we sacrifice for people, for their interests, not necessarily for our own. It means not propping ourselves up as the greatest, trying to get all the attention, all the credit. Instead, we just trust, you know what, someday God is going to reward me for my life. And so we use our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our time, our resources to point people to God instead of trying to point them to us. Right? Humility doesn't mean we just give up ambitions. It just means our ambitions are new. They're driven by God, not our selfish desires. Also, Jesus, thankfully, he moves us towards humility. Continuing in Philippians 2.12, here's what it says. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I think this is so important because it reminds us who's the one who's really doing all the work, who's really changing us. It's not me, it's God. God is moving us towards becoming humble. First Paul says, work out your salvation. 
Work out your salvation. That doesn't mean figure out how to be saved or work for your salvation. That's not what he's saying. Rather, really what he's saying is apply your salvation to every area of your life. You've been saved from, from sin, from shame, right? You've been forgiven. What does that mean for every single area of your life, your relationships, work, how you handle your money? What does it mean that you've been saved for your life, right? Work it out. Work it out. Paul wants the Philippians and us to consider basically the consequences of what Jesus has done for you and apply that to your thoughts, your, your behaviors, your attitudes, your actions, your life. And he follows it up with, for it is God who works in you to fulfill his good purpose. God comes along, he uses our efforts. As we're, as we're continually reminding ourselves of Jesus, we're working out our salvation, God is going to use our efforts and he's going to move us. He's going to change us. He's going to transform us into something different, something a lot more like Jesus. So it's God who makes us humble. And I don't think this process is ever going to be uh, complete. Like, I don't think we're just one day going to be like, humble, I'm here, I'm going to go nap, right? That's, God's not done with us. He's just not done with us. And this verse during Unfinished uh, backs us up. It's, it's the same thing. It's Philippians 1.6, and it says, for I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns, right? So God is not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with this church. Humility is something he's always taking us towards. So we acknowledge who Jesus is. We embrace our role. We work out that salvation. We apply it to our life, and we let go of those selfish desires because we don't need to focus on ourselves. We can, we're free from that. We're freed from being obsessed with ourselves and we can focus on other people and God will move us along this path. And this is the heart of unfinished. It's all about you changing and as you change, other people are impacted by it, right? It's letting go of what we want, what we think we need. And instead, it's living generously. It's living sacrificially. It's living humbly. It's not about me. Like, I don't, I don't think I would call myself uh, humble. I don't think I would call myself humble. But when I look back at how I used to live and I look at my life now, I'm definitely different. I'm definitely different. And that's what I love about challenges like unfinished. If you embrace the challenge, you never finish as the same person you started as. You're going to change if you take the challenge. Some of you are wondering, you know, what is unfinished? What is this thing? You know, the booklets that, that you receive, that's going to have a lot of information that will probably answer your questions. Right? But if you're thinking, how do I become a part of it? I would say jump in. Make a commitment over the next 12 months because unfinished is for everyone. And we want everyone involved because if you get involved, what we know is you will be changed. You will be transformed by it. You will be impacted and so will other people because you got involved. So some of you, you already made your commitment. I just want to say thank you. Like as Andy, I, I love that other people love this church just like I do. That you're so committed to this church. I love it. It encourages me so much. And I just want to personally encourage you, stick with it. I know it's tough. Stick with your commitment. Stick with it. Maybe some of you, you need to reevaluate your commitment and, and say, you know, is God calling me to, to look outside of myself at others in a different way? Right? Stick with your commitment. For, for Christina and I, sticking with our commitment has been difficult sometimes. There's, there's points where it's just a challenge and there's a temptation to go back on it, right? But he reminds us who we need to depend on and he's always reminding me like, I'm not done with you, Andy. I'm going to grow you in humility and it's not always going to be easy. 
So a couple years ago, when I made my transition from uh, being a senior auditor, a CPA, to a youth pastor, uh, surprise, there was a pay cut, okay? And it took me a while <laughs> to be okay with it. Not because of just the money, but because in my heart, I wanted to be the provider. I wanted to bring home the bacon, right? It was a pride thing. It was a pride thing. But I embraced this role God had called me to, and, and I trusted, you know what? God's the provider, not me. So I'm just going I'm, I'm to trust. I'm going to trust. And he's always provided. He's always provided in a lot of different ways. You know, several years ago, we had a car that died, and, and we were gifted a car. And nothing humbles a man like driving a minivan around, <laughs> right? At least me. It's humbling. Like people, people just, when we need things, people just randomly give us exactly what we need. And, and it's humbling because I can't look at it and say, look what I earned, look what I did, look what I brought home. It's always God doing it. It's other people doing it. And so it's humbling. During Unfinished, we, we decided to up our giving quite a bit. And it's been difficult. Recently, uh, it got cold out. And when it gets cold out with little kids, it meant switching out all their clothes. And we had an issue. We didn't have any clothes in their size. So, you know, up until this point, basically people have just been generous and we've basically never bought clothes for our kids. People are always giving them to us. Um, again, this is another way that God has provided for us uh, the, the, <laughs> this whole time. But now we have this situation. Okay, it's cold out and um, they don't have any clothes. They can't be naked. Maybe in summer we could get away with that, right? But not now. It's too cold. They'll get sick. So we go buy clothes because it's, it's all, you know, we rationalized it. Hey, they need clothes. This is a need. <laughs> but Christina, she, she told me one day, she's like, she, she's like, I feel a little like we're not trusting God because we went out and bought these clothes. You know, he'd always provided for us up until this point, this, this unique way. Why would he stop? Why would he stop? So initially it was like, okay, well, maybe some people will give us some clothes, then we'll return them, right? But that's not trusting God. That's like a backup plan if you're unsure about him. So Christina goes and she just returns everything one day. She returns everything, trusting that God's going to provide. And literally later that same day, she gets an email from a mom here at River Glen saying, hey, I hear you guys need some clothes. I have some in those sizes. This is how God provides. And he did it. And here's the thing. We could... We could cut back on what we give and rationalize it. Our kids need clothes, <laughs> right? And it'd be easier, and we wouldn't have to worry. We wouldn't have to worry about this sort of thing ever. With my, you know, honestly, with my past experience, I could go, I could find a job that easily covers our, uh, our, our needs, our wants, and wouldn't have to worry. We wouldn't have to worry. But here's what I know from experience. I would lose out. My family would lose out and others would lose out because God is changing me. He's changing us as a couple and he's impacting people through what we do. And just so you know, like auditing is nowhere near as fun as being a youth pastor, okay? Like throwing dodgeballs at people, it's great. I ain't going anywhere. But I tell you that story because I want to encourage you and challenge you, right? It's, it's going to get difficult, and that's how we change. That's how God changes us. That's how God uses us, right? That's what Unfinished is all about. God's going to move us along this path of humility 
and we're going to start to see our life different. We're going to start to see our purpose different. It's going to be less about us. It's going to be more about others. And when we start to embrace this purpose, when we start to embrace who Jesus is, what he did for us, it's going to shape who we are, what we do, and who we do it for. Jesus' mission in life becomes our mission in life. Right? As God transforms us and moves us along towards humility, it's not just so that we're humble. It's that through humility, we can actually accomplish what Jesus told us to do. Through humility, when we brace our purpose in life, we're going to carry out his mission. And Jesus' mission was a rescue mission, and so our lives become rescue missions. Here's what, here's what Paul says in verse 14. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. His mission becomes our mission. God's purpose for life, for, um, God's purpose in this world is to bring us into his purpose and include us in accomplishing this mission. And as Paul said, you're going to shine among them like stars in the sky. If you've ever gotten away from, you know, the city and you get into the country and you see the night sky, it, it, it's like it just pops out. It's so clear. It's so bright. It's like 3D. It's, it's incredible. And Paul is saying that is what you will look like in this world. The contrast will be so great between you and all the darkness in this world that you will stand out. You will stand out. If you think about this, a humble person, they're never drawing attention to themselves. But a humble person is always noticeable. That's what Paul is talking about. And one of the ways that we could be noticeable and contrast this world is by doing exactly what he says in 14. He says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Right? We, we live in a world that loves to complain, loves to argue. It's the news. It's social media. It's every comment section I've ever read. It's, it's arguing and complaining. And what it does is it takes our focus off of Jesus and it puts it on ourself. When we argue, when we complain, we're more trying to rescue ourselves, our egos, our reputation, and it's a distraction from the true mission. We get distracted. And the mission is to help people see Jesus, not us. Right? So Paul is this amazing example of someone who carried this out because the book of Philippians was written while he was in jail. He doesn't care about himself. He doesn't care about his freedom, his place, his status. He's only concerned about others even while he's in prison. And then he, he closes out this letter with two more examples of people who were on mission with him. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy is like his co-worker. He, he, they travel together. He's a fellow missionary. He dedicated his life to the church and followed Paul. Epaphroditus was a messenger for Paul. It's assumed he is the one that brought the letter uh, to the Philippians. And according to Paul, he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life. So Jesus, you know, Jesus is the ultimate example of what humility is. But here's the point of what I think Paul is doing here. He's saying other people can be the example when they follow Jesus and when they live out this mission. We become models for humility. Meaning as God transforms us, as he starts to change us, we become the people who others look to to see what God is like. Right? To see what God is like. I have a friend who I've gotten to watch go through this transformation over the last year. His name is Jake. Uh, he has a really cool story. Um, I love it. I think you will too. Check it out. So my name is Jake Pierce. I've been coming to River Glen for almost 11 months, and uh, I serve in the Edge 
life and kid life on the weekends. So coming from a life of being selfish and only thinking of myself, then what can I do to further myself in life? I uh, ended up finding God and giving my life to Jesus on Christmas and uh, has been an awesome transformation since. Starting from then, it's been just jumping into ministries with two feet in and there's no doubt in my mind that this is what I was called to do and serve and um, help others grow closer to Christ and make more followers too. I just can't help but find so much joy in serving, serving God through the ministries and devoting my time and um, that led to my baptism on March 19th, which was probably the biggest step I've ever taken in my life. Serving others gives me hope, along with the hope that Christ gives me, that showing these kids or these adults that there is so much hope and even one person can make such a big difference in this world. So even if I am able to connect with only one person in all the years that I'm a follower, that one person can change the world. The time and resources I put into not only the church, but the ministries and my fellow leaders and teachers um, is not for my own sake. It's for the kingdom on earth and serving him and doing everything I can to glorify God. What excites me the most about Unfinished has to start with me getting baptized and how dramatically that has changed my life and my family's life and my some of my friends' lives that I'm close to. And I can only imagine the impact that the numerous baptisms other than myself this year has impacted people and brought people closer to Christ. So Unfinished for me started out with devoting time to these ministries and um, helping others and trusting in God. I slowly started giving as much as I could give financially and kind of had a change in my career this past month. It's been hard financially and it is a good example of trusting in God that he will provide and through this next year of Unfinished, I'm excited for the, the change that God's gonna have for me. The, to morph me into someone who's still unfinished, but someone who can provide more for the kingdom. I'm Jake Pierce, and I'm unfinished. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> I know, you know, I know Jake pretty well, and he would, he would admit he's, he's not perfect. <laughs> he's not finished, um, but he is different. And God is changing him into someone, and as God is changing him, he is being uh, used in big ways in this church. Let me ask you, what if, what if everyone in this church embraced Paul's command to do nothing out of selfish ambition, but instead embraced Jesus' mission? How many neighbors, how many family members, kids, parents, coworkers, whatever, how many people would benefit if that's what we decided to do, right? Here's the next question. Would it be worth it if that was the outcome? Would it be worth it, the risk, the sacrifice, the effort? It was worth it for Jesus. You and I were worth it for Jesus. Is it worth it for us? 
If you haven't embraced Jesus, you know, who he is, what he did, I urge you, you know, just take a look at your life and ask what's missing. Because whatever missing, whatever's missing, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find satisfaction in some new pursuit, some new achievement, some new thing. You're not going to find it. I've done it. I've tried everything. It's not out there. It's short term. It doesn't last. What you're missing in life can only be given to you by your creator. That's it, right? Real life, eternal life, joy, forgiveness, acceptance, unconditional love. You're not going to find that anywhere except through Jesus, Right? All these things that we desire, but we look in the wrong places, places that don't last. But let me tell you, Jesus lasts. His love, it never runs out. What he did for you on the cross can never be undone. His purpose for your life outlasts your own life. Right? I'm urging you, just turn to Jesus. Turn away from who you were, who you are, and embrace Jesus. Believe in him, and you'll be saved, and you'll live a new life, a life that's better, a life that lasts, a life that fulfills. And because it's a special baptism weekend, we're going to do baptisms in a moment. I'm going to encourage you, make your faith and make it real. Make it public, right? Make your commitment real today. Baptism is this, uh, it's an external symbol of what we believe internally, right? We, we go under the water and we come back up over here in our, our baptismal, the Jesus jacuzzi as some people call it, right? When we go under and we come up, what we're doing is we're identifying with Jesus, his death, his burial, and then his resurrection. And we're saying, I believe who he is and what he did for me. And Jesus commands everyone who believes in him to go and be baptized. He commands us. So this isn't just for those who are new to faith. This is for everyone who believes in Jesus, but maybe put it off. There is no good reason to put it off, right? So even if you're not signed up today, you can still go out there and we will baptize you, right? And you know what? This is one of those things that we have to embrace and it allows God to move us along this path of humility because you know what? It's a public act. It's a public act. It's in front of everyone, and it's not very flattering. You know, like going in the water, coming out, like I'm bald, I look the same. You people with hair, it's crazy. It's all over the place. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Baptism is one of these ways that we can set aside our comfort, set aside what we want, set aside all these maybe things going on in us, and just embrace what God wants us to do. And one of the things he wants us to do is publicly declare with our heart, our mouth, our actions, I'm following Jesus. And baptism is how we do this. So I urge you, whatever your next step is, whether it's believing in Jesus, being baptized, making a commitment to unfinished, sticking with your commitment, reevaluating it, whatever your next step is, what if, what if as a church, we all embraced it today? What would happen? What would happen? I have a pretty good idea of what would happen. Lives would change. Your life would change, and others' lives would change. And that is the point. That's the purpose. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Um, we're just so grateful that you love us, uh, that you looked at us with compassion and grace and mercy, and you sent Jesus to fix our problem, our biggest one. Help us uh, follow you, help us trust you, help us depend on you, help us with our commitments, whatever it is. Take our fears away, uh, remind us that you're faithful. We need you, we need your help. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus and it's in his name, amen.
What we're going to do right now is um, we're going to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross by taking communion. And communion is open to anyone who is a follower of Jesus. We take the bread that represents his body and we take the juice that represents his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And we take it in remembering the promises uh, of uh, Jesus. And we're going to do something unique. Because it's a baptism weekend, uh, what we like to do is we like to have people make a statement of faith. So we're actually going to do that all together right now. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just please stand up. And what I'm going to do is just read through our statement of faith. Uh, I'll read it a piece at a time and you'll repeat. Kind of like a wedding, but no one's getting married, okay? So here's what we'll do. So if you believe in Jesus or you have decided today to believe in Jesus, you can say this. If, if, you know, if you don't want to say it, that's fine. There's no pressure, all right? This is for those who follow Jesus. So I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. All right, you guys can sit down. If you said those words and you believe them, then let's celebrate this new life that we have by taking communion together. After communion, if you are going to be baptized today or if you have decided, you know what, I, I want to be baptized today, head out in the lobby. They will get you situated and ready. Um, and then just a moment, we're going to celebrate uh, new lives through baptism.